is there going to be another game for you here? And that's what I'm leaving up to God. We we haven't even talked about it. Tonight was the milestone of where we wanted to get to. Less than a week later, Kennedy sent in his resignation, talking to us by phone about the decision. Are the kids disappointed? Have you heard any feedback from them? I have not heard anything from them. I really wasn't allowed to talk to them about anything. And I, I was at practice yesterday and um, we gave our, I gave my resignation this morning about 4 a.m. So before anybody else got up. This is Plausibly Live. I was supposed to start doing this about an hour ago, but my wife made pancakes for breakfast and I'm a little bit behind, sorry. Kind of like yesterday when I wasn't here yesterday. And therefore, I was not able to comment on the incident up here yesterday that has occupied some attention on this show for some time. The resignation of the junior varsity assistant coach, Kennedy, at Bremerton High School. Yesterday morning at 4 o'clock in the morning, he resigned um, because that's what you do wasn't here to talk about it because I was at the dentist and it was kind of a, I don't know, I was a little upset when I got there because the treatment plan did not include the nitrous oxide, which I thought we had all decided uh, was a necessity. So I was a little nervous, but quite frankly, uh, I got through the whole thing without any pain at all. Didn't even feel the shots. That's remarkable to me that I did not feel the shots. And there was no pain from the drilling, no pain from anything. Uh, and so I was pretty pleased with that. And in fact, the, the Novocaine actually wore off. I assume it's Novocaine. I don't know. The Novocaine actually wore off within a half hour of of having left there, which means that it was um, it was it was great. I, I was able to eat lunch. I was able to to do things that I needed to do, except be here to comment on the resignation of Coach Kennedy, who have if you haven't heard by now, resigned after the first game at four o'clock in the morning, because that's what you do. He claims that he was, quote-unquote, retaliated against. What that means, I have no idea. I have my suspicions, but I don't know, because he won't say what it was that he was being retaliated for. Um, I just have some short thoughts, because, and I say this from the bottom of my heart, and I mean this with everything that I have. Coach Kennedy, the junior varsity assistant coach at Bremerton High School, former, who went all the way to the United States Supreme Court for his prayer at the 50-yard line case, is a completely unimportant and irrelevant person. He's, he's, it's meaningless. In the big scheme of things, this guy is just not that important. He really isn't. He thinks he is, but he's not. And so I just have some short thoughts because I have some important people that I want to get to today on this particular episode. I start with this. Coach Kennedy insisted, demanded, went all the way to the United States Supreme Court because he, quote, has a right, unquote, 
to pray at the 50-yard line surrounded by children, which is not what Jesus said to do. I'm not Christian, but I'm pretty sure it says in the New Testament, when you pray, go into a closet. Don't put on an ostentatious display. Don't draw attention to yourself. If, for whatever reason, you are not going to follow the tenets of your own faith, the teachings of the person you claim is the person that you follow, um, how is that protected by the First Amendment? It's not. The other question that I have is, of course, uh, he claimed yesterday that one of the problems that he had was a the school district had put a 25-foot bubble around him for the prayer bubble, and there could be no kids in this bubble. In other words, he had to he had to have a 25-foot bubble around him. He had to wait 20 minutes after the the game before he went out there to pray. And of course, he's quoted as saying, well, "I'm not going to do that." Well, the only other question that I have then is, uh, what do we say about leftists? who get mad when they're told they're not allowed to have kids around them. Let's move on to some important people. One of the one of the favorite things about what I do, what I did, what I do now is meeting people. Um I don't meet a lot of people in person, certainly not as many as I did when I was in radio, but and even then, I didn't meet a lot. But I meet people through the medium of the podcast, through the medium of the radio show, and through the medium of social media. Some years ago, and I'm guessing right now it would have been, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago? It's been a while. I was sitting here minding my business one day, as I so often do, and one of the posts that I had written, one of the shows that I had done, was about submarines, about my experience in the Navy. And I got a ding, ding, and there was a like on the post from someone I'd never seen before. So I clicked on his thing, took me to his website, and it was absolutely fascinating. Uh, this guy, is a, he's a retired master chief. He's a retired cook. And... After he got out of the Navy, he ran a cab company. He, he did all kinds of things after he got out. But he, he has this website, and it's dedicated to the to the Asia sailor. Now, what's an Asia sailor? I hear you say. They used to be called Asia hands. China hands is what they used to call them back in the 20s and 30s and the likes of that. But these are sailors, United States Navy sailors, who are assigned to the Asian theater, China, Japan, the Philippines, Taiwan, Okinawa, that area over there. In modern times, since the end of World War II, really, uh, you're talking primarily Japan, but it is sailors who served in the in the Asian theater, the Far West, Far East is the Western. It's weird because it's the Far East, but when you go there, it's a West Pac deployment, Western Pacific. And so you have all these Asia sailors who are very proud of the fact that they're Asia sailors. And in the annals of history, in the annals of naval history, I would, the Asia sailors are probably at the top of the list of the, of the rowdies, the people who know how to have a good time. And they're proud of that. 
Anyway, this guy's name was Garland Davis, and he and I started talking about the Navy and politics because Garland is really into politics. And he, over the next few weeks and days, he started quoting my posts, quoting my show, and it was great. And I picked up new listeners and new friends and the likes of that, and Garland and I really hit it off. Um, he sent me a text one day, said, uh, I've sent you an invite to our private Asia sailors group that's only for Asia sailors. And I, I said to him, I said, Garland, I'm, I'm not an Asia sailor. In fact, I've never been west of Midway Island, which is still only halfway across the Pacific. I'm not even close to being an Asia sailor. And he said to me, you have the right attitude. You have the right mindset. I've decided you're one of us. And since it's my group that I run, you're in. And so I was in, and I was actually able to nominate other Asia sailors, actual Asia sailors. Uh, some of you will remember uh, Alex Ross, our news guy for, for a long time, uh, at the time was an Asia sailor. He was stationed aboard USS Shiloh out of Yakuska. And so I was able to actually nominate him, and he was accepted into the group. And uh, it's just been, um, it's been an interesting time talking with and getting to know Garland and uh, some of the other Asia sailors as well who, by the way, are masters at the at the, the cutting insults. So you might want to be aware when you're around them. Uh, Garland is, a, is an old guy. He's, he's well into his, his upper 80s, if I'm not mistaken. He has Parkinson's disease, and that's been one of the, one of the more moving parts of his blog. His, his experience over the past few years has been dealing with Parkinson's and how determined he is not to be defined by his disease, but rather to punch through it and to continue to be Garland and not let the disease define him. And he's got some funny stories about falling down, getting back up and that kind of stuff. And you just marvel that if he can do that, then what's my excuse for not being able to do things? What's my reasoning for not, you know, carrying on in the face of, of something like that. A few weeks ago, he posted, let everybody know that he had gone to the emergency room because they thought he had gout and he was having some, some serious pain and the likes of that. A couple of days later, he posted, well, it wasn't gout. He said, my, my body is just completely eaten up with arthritis. And there's almost nothing they can do. I mean, it's it's just there, and that's the way it is. You could feel, even in that post, that he was not his normal self. He wasn't his normal, effervescent, I'm going to push through self. You could feel right then that he was he was having a hard time. You know, I go back to my grandmother. Um, my grandmother died very young, 53, 54, I don't know, she might have been 56. I, it's hard for me to tell. I know it's just basic math, but I have in my memory one thing, and I have on paper or something else. My grandmother was just eaten up with pain, and I never understood it. I, I, I The disease that she died from uh, is very slow. My uncle survived more than 30 years with it. 
And so I never really understood it. But then again, she passed away in 1976, which was years before my, you know, three decades before my uncle had it. What I never really understand, understood was how much pain she was in and how devastating pain can be to a person. And I'm starting myself to experience that. Uh, there are days, I said to Cami yesterday, I am so tired of always hurting, always being in pain. It's, it's depressing. And you could kind of read between the lines in Garland's post, especially if you've read most of his stuff, and you start picking up on that. This, he's, he's very down about this. And then he started picking up again with you know the normal stuff, his, his daily homeschool questions, which were great. Uh, on his Facebook page. And then late yesterday, day before yesterday, I guess, he posted, this is my last post. And I'm just, the pain has beaten me. I can't do anything more. I, there's so much more that I want to say, he said, but I, I just can't. He said, when you when you see me on Fiddler's Green, which is what we sailors call heaven, I'll be the one in the corner with the beers. Come on over, say hi. Swap a Steve story. And thanks for everything. It's been great. There's something about Asia sailors. One of my favorite movies is The Sand Pebbles with Steve McQueen, which is about China hands as they were known then, but Asia sailors as they would be known now. And Garland always sort of took on that that persona of 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 Steve McQueen in that film, Jake Holman, that Asia sailor mindset, duty, honor, and fun. I don't know that I'll ever get to talk to Garland again. We've never met in person. He lives in Hawaii. We've never met physically in person. We've never even talked on Zoom or anything like that because he don't do he doesn't do those things. But I can tell you right now, if you haven't read his blogs. You should. They're linked up in the show notes. Check those out because this was a man who served his country well, who continued to serve his family well, and continues to serve us long into the future because those writings will still be there. And you will get to know the story of an Asia sailor who influenced me which means that you've been influenced by him if you listen to this show. So check it out, garlanddavis.net. One of the other people that I met, who's far more important than Coach Kennedy will ever be, came about because I was on the show one day, and I made some reference to Star Trek. I don't remember specifically what the reference was. Sorry, I just don't. It's been that long ago. And as you recall, I used to have, I still have the text machine. The text machine still works, folks. 209-565-DAVE. I was talking to Buster this morning on it. I was talking to Mojav on it this morning. It still works. I still use it. Um, Maybe just not as much as we did during the radio show, but if you ever want to get a hold of me, that's probably the best way to do it. 209-565-DAVE. The text machine kicked into life that day, and there was a text from somebody I'd never had a text from before, but it was not arguing, but discussing one of the obtuse points of Star Trek. And it intrigued me. And so we started this conversation and we kept this conversation up for, for quite some time. 
a few weeks later, I think, was the the World War One hundredth anniversary commemoration. If you recall, uh, they they had this traveling exhibit that came to Stockton. I actually went and did a show from that, and it was there that I met this person, who many of you, if you've been with the show for more than more than a few years, you know very well Pat the lawyer who uh, became an integral part of what we did. Uh, not just the butt of jokes in some ways. I mean, <laughs> Pat was a lawyer. Pat is a lawyer. Sorry. He's, uh, and he does lawyer things. And later on, Pat would actually sit in guest hosting on occasion. Um, one of the things that I'm most proud of that we did uh, was the Saturday podcast, Constitution Thursday, the Saturday podcast with Pat and Chatroom Jeff. And to me, the 2013 episodes with with John and the Saturday podcast is probably some of the best work that I've ever done, certainly the most enjoyable work I've ever done. And a lot of that was due to Pat's uh, presence in things. Now, lest you think that Pat and I just, you know, hit it off, and we, there's a lot of stuff we disagree on, a lot of stuff we disagree on. And, you know, I'm a conservative, Pat's more moderate. Um, there's some political things we disagree on. We had some sharp disagreements over Prop 8. We had some sharp disagreements over uh, some other things. But it was clear that we also had a friendship there, and that friendship was never going to be subsumed by those political disagreements. And I think, to me, that's still the lesson there, is that you don't let political disagreements, things that you don't see the same way, you, you, you say to each other, well, I don't see it that way. And should we go get, you know, lunch somewhere? I mean, what are we doing? Which is something we used to do quite often. Uh, Pat, myself, uh, and even Chatroom Jeff would meet uh, very often for lunch. We, we particularly liked uh, Red Robin because bottomless fries and clucks, was it clucks and fries, I think was the one that Chatroom Jeff used to get. I don't remember. Anyway, we would have some fantastic, wide-ranging conversations about things. Sizzler was the other one that we loved. Pat is probably, I don't have a best friend. I probably have three or four best friends, and Pat is one of those. And Pat is uh, very dear to me, very important to me. Uh, one of the things that you may not know is that through the years, particularly in the podcast era, if I have a topic that I want to get into, particularly about the Constitution, particularly about a legal issue, it is not unusual for Pat and I to spend a lot of time on texts, uh, even phone calls, to talk about the issue. Even though Pat's not on the show, he was on the show. And I think that that's important for you to recognize. He is my sounding board. He is someone that I know doesn't see things the same way I do. And I have always said I get along better with people who don't agree with me on everything than I do with people who do agree with me on everything. And Pat's a great example of that. And we would talk these things through. And there have been times when he's changed my mind. And I think that there have been times when I've changed his mind. Who knows? But he has been uh, a very good friend and a very good help to me on this show. What I want you to know, without getting into a lot of the details, is that Pat is very ill. Um, Pat had a medical incident uh, back in July that has resulted in his hospitalization. 
He is uh, currently uh, still on a ventilator. Uh, he is in the hospital, will be there for some time, has been there since early July, and will continue to be there for some time. I am planning to go down to see him. Um, there's some technical challenges that are going to keep us from, from getting underway right away, but uh, I would like to go see him and, and so, as, soon or, as soon as I can. Uh, we're going to get out of here and go to California for the sole purpose of spending time with Pat. Uh, even if he can't talk, uh, I want to be there. Pat has been a big influence on me, which means that he's been an influence on you. And if you're one of those people who does thoughts and prayers, uh, Pat could use them. He's not in any imminent danger. He's not dying or anything like that. But it is a pretty serious medical situation. And I wanted you to be aware of that because on a day when one of the least important people in all of history, Coach Kennedy, is getting all the headlines... Two people who have been very important to me and consequently to you if you listen to this show, Garland Davis and Pat Lawyer, could really use your positive energy and your thoughts and your prayers. And as I so often say, take the time right now. Tell the people that matter in your life that you love them, that you would miss them if they weren't there. You're not promised tomorrow. You don't want to have that regret of not having said that. Until next time, I'm Dave Bowman, and this has been Plausibly Live, The Dave Bowman Show. Mm-hmm.